Did everyone have a good pancake day on Tuesday? Anyone, anyone flip pancakes for the first time in their life? No, no, we've got experts here, I'm sure. I, uh, we came across this pancake uh, recipe last year, and uh, so we repeated it again this year. And this is a picture of one that we did this year, if we can uh, get it up. I forgot the PowerPoint. It's a Martha Collison recipe, in case you're interested. There, there it is. A chocolate brownie pancake. It, it was incredible. It's like got a stack of three pancakes, put them on top of each other, then pour over this chocolate cream sauce, and then a bit of fruit on top just to make yourself feel like you're a bit healthy. Um, they were amazing. And uh, Pancake Day is, is the day before Lent begins, and uh, if you're not aware, it's traditional that you would spend Lent praying and fasting uh, before Easter. And uh, so people would come the day before on Pancake Day, on Shrove Tuesday, and they would uh, use up all of their kind of luxury ingredients uh, so that then they could be ready for the season of Lent. And it, it got me thinking about us as a church and uh, our pursuit of these four culture words uh, that we're looking at. We're looking at being genuine, thankful, generous, and courageous. And it got me thinking, what would we need to give up in order to take up this lifestyle? to pursue this as our character, both individually and as a church. I just want to leave you with that right at the start of this morning. What would we need to leave and give up in order to take on these four culture words? And we're going to come back to that at the end. But I just want you to be thinking about that as we go through this morning. Just a bit of a recap. Over the last four weeks, uh, we've been looking at these four words and looking at four Characters from the Bible who have displayed these individual characteristics in their life. And we've been learning from them in how we too can become more genuine, thankful, generous, and courageous. Repeat after me. Genuine. Thankful. Generous. Courageous. That's just to help me as much as you. So there we go. Genuine, thankful, generous, and courageous. We looked at genuine. We looked at the life of David and how he was real before God. Not trying to pretend he was better than he was, but bringing his need for God's cleansing and, his, and God's spirit to empower him. And we too as a church, we want to be real. Not trying to hide what's going on in our lives and just putting on a face for the sake of others. No, we want to be genuine people. Bringing our needs, bringing who we really are to each other. That as I come and as we, I spend time with you, you get the real me. You don't get a fake me. You get the real me. That actually when I'm going through troubles and struggles, you get the real me. You don't get me just put on a face. And that's what we want to be as a church. That actually we come genuine people being real with each other. But we're also real with God. Not hiding anything from him. But our, admitting our need for him and our need for his power and his cleansing in our life. I wonder, could you consider, even uh, as we look at this series, is there any part of my life that I'm not being real with God about? Is there any part in my life that I'm not being real with God about? We then looked at being thankful. And we looked at the one thankful leper who came back. Ten were healed by Jesus, but only one came back, and he was a Samaritan. And how we too want to be a thankful people who recognize that everything that we have comes from God. 
that he's given it to us and he's entrusted it to us. We can then come thankful in every circumstance. Not because of uh, our emotions on that particular day or time or because of circumstances that we're going through, but because of our eternal state before God. That we've been saved, that we've been ransomed, we've been healed, we've been forgiven. We've been brought back into relationship with God. And therefore, we can come thankful in every single situation, every single day. Consider this. Is there anything in my life I'm holding on to as mine only and not recognizing God as the true giver and being thankful for what God's given me? We then looked at being generous. Two weeks ago, we looked at the character of a man called Boaz. And uh, in the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. And Andrew shared with us how Boaz's mother was a prostitute. And yet God used Boaz to show great grace and generosity to a woman named Ruth. Resulting in him marrying her. We too want to be a people who are generous. That we think the best of other people. That we think the best of each other. That even in situations where maybe we've gone through a bit of an argument or something, that we're thinking the best of people. That we're generous in what we have in our time and in our belongings. Consider, is there any part in my life that I'm not willing to share or give away for the sake of God's kingdom? Is there anyone in my life that I'm choosing not to think the best of? And then last week, we looked at being courageous. We saw how Esther had great courage to approach the king, risking her life for the sake of her people. And we too, we desire that we would be a people who are full of courage, who love Christ fearlessly, who share him with others courageously and live for him without fear and without shame in our lives. Consider, is there any part of my life that is wrapped up in fear that I need to take courage over in living for God? And so this morning, I want to look at the whole idea idea of this culture that we're looking to have as a church and what it might produce in us as a church. But let me ask you, uh, ask us a few questions this morning. I wonder what job you wanted to have when growing up. In fact, can I use this mic? Is that all right, Alex? Excellent. Let's come find out. This is scary now, isn't it? What job did you want to have uh, when growing up? And this is a great, just a great way for me to learn some names as well. Um, Pete, Pete is volunteering already. There we go. I wanted to go in the Navy. Wanted to be in the Navy. There we go. Let's find uh, out someone else. I want to be an undertaker. An undertaker? What about that? Can we ask you, sir? I wanted to be an animator. Animator. I don't even know. Oh, cartoon animator. Brilliant. I wanted to be a nurse or a teacher. Amazing. A nurse or a teacher. Let's have another two. Can we ask you? I wanted to be a nurse. A nurse as well. There we go. All right, one more. A zookeeper. A zookeeper. That would be amazing. There we go. Well, when I was really young, I... uh, I don't need this. Uh... I wanted to be a milkman. How about that? I, uh, we had this really, really friendly milkman uh, who delivered milk to our house. And uh, so my parents would always chat to them. 
And so I just kind of got this thing, oh, milkmen are just, they're just really, really friendly people, so I want to be a milkman. Uh, so that was my dream growing up. What about this? What events, I'm not going to come around with a mic with this one, so don't worry. What events or decisions in your life have had the biggest impact on how you live your life up to now? What events or decisions in your life have had the biggest impact on how you live your life up to now? I just got a bit out of breath just walking around. That's how unfit I am. Uh, Here's one for me. When I was 19, I came back from living a year in South Africa. And uh, I was kind of quite full of myself, if I'm honest, at the time. And I came back and I spoke to the leader of our church, uh, the church that I was part of, called Malcolm. And I said to Malcolm, would you disciple me? And uh, he said, I'll tell you what, first, if you come along to our weekly prayer meeting on a Friday, come and pray with me, and then I'll think about discipling you. And uh, it was a real challenge for me, because I hadn't thought much about prayer up, at, up until that point. And so then I started going every Friday to this prayer meeting. It was 7 o'clock, so I had to get up early, be there, and then go off to work from there. But it got me into a place where I just got passionate about prayer. That because I was going every Friday, I was learning from other people who just loved God, who wanted to give themselves to God, who wanted just to pray about it. It put a, a passion in me to pray. That I just, I love to get together with other believers and pray. And it's, it's changed me as a person. That decision to go to that Friday morning prayer meeting every week has changed me as a person. It's changed who I am. It's had an impact on my life. I wonder what about this one. If you're a parent here this morning, what example or lack of example has most shaped the way that you parent your children? Or maybe you want to one day have children. I want to one day have children. Who's influenced me in the way that I want to be a parent? Or influenced me in the way that they've been a lack of a parent? Who's influenced? I can think of my brother and my sister-in-law. They are amazing. Jules and I, we always talk about them. We're just like, they have just this, such a way with their kids. And like, they discipline them well and they love them well. And they care for them. And they've just brought up these three amazing kids who are just so full of respect for other people and so genuine and lovely. And uh, so we've kind of looked at them and thought, we want to be like them. We want a parent like them. I wonder, consider this, who has inspired you to change or to grow as a person most in your life? Who has inspired you to change or to grow as a person most in your life. In fact, why don't you turn to the person next to you, and you've got 30 seconds, that's all, so we don't want life stories. About 30 seconds, just to share one person who has inspired you or caused you to uh, just a massive impact on your life. Go for it. All right, 10 seconds left, if you haven't given yours. All right, I'll give you an example for, of one of mine. 
over Christmas, we spent some time with um, different family uh, out in the States. And I spent some time with some friends as well. And I spent some time with some friends of Juliana's who I hadn't spent some time with before. And uh, they were amazing. They challenged me. And I came away and Juliana, in fact, reminded me of it this last week of how they were very stingy in what they spent their money on. But they did it in order to be generous. And it stuck with me. I was coming away from it. I was telling Jules, I was like, that is, that is amazing. And just like this impact on me, that they were, really, they were really careful in how they spent their money, that actually out of the money that they saved, they could be so generous to give away. I was like, that is it's challenging, isn't it? It's like, how am I doing in my spending of my money that I might be generous in what I've got? I wonder if you to think about your closest friends, maybe a group of you who spend time together, what three words would describe your friendship with that group of people? What three words would describe your friendship with maybe just one person, maybe a group of you? What three words? As we think about the answers to all of these questions, they are all examples of either culture that has been formed uh, in you or an intentional culture you've decided to set in your life or the lives of those around you. Every workplace will have a culture. Every family has a culture. Every church has a unique culture. Whether for good or for bad, even this church has a culture. And we're looking to intentionally together set a culture in this church that glorifies God and reaches out to the community we live and we work in. As we've gone through these past four weeks, I'm aware that we can so easily hear these messages, that we can so easily just hear these words and uh, we can think to ourselves, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be like that. And yet, actually, no change happens. We just kind of drift on past. As a church that loves and follows Jesus, we want to be people who are constantly changing. That knowing that until we've breathed our last breath, we are being made more and more like Christ and should want to pursue that. And so we must let the word of God take root in our lives. Please let me encourage you not to let the last four weeks just pass by, but feast on them. Look back over your notes again. Maybe re-listen to them again. That actually we would discuss them amongst ourselves and we would be changed to be more and more like Jesus. Because ultimately it's him that we want to be like. It's Christ that we want to reflect to this town. It's Christ that we want to be at the center of our families and our friendship groups. It's Christ we want to be looking like in our workplaces. That people would have one interaction with us and they would see something stunning and beautiful in us that reminds them of Jesus, that points them towards Jesus. Paul wrote this, he said, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. As we've looked at the life of David and Boaz, the thankful leper and Esther, my encouragement to us is that we might imitate them as they imitate the character of God. And in these months to come, we'll be looking at four more uh, characters in the Bible who display these characteristics. But just as we finish this mini-series at the start of this year, I just want to turn us back to Jesus. I just want us to fix our eyes on who he is, that actually everything that we've been looking at over the last four weeks points to a saviour. Everything that we look at points to this Jesus, points to this God who has these characteristics. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to uh, John chapter 6. 
John chapter 6. John's in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, and it's the fourth book in. John chapter 6. And verse 1. John chapter 6, verse 1. After this, Jesus crossed the Red Sea, crossed the Red Sea, crossed the Sea of Galilee. And a huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing on the sick. So Jesus went up a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. Therefore, when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming towards him, he asked Philip, Where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? He asked this to test him, for he himself knew what was going to be done. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Then Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. The men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves. And after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also with the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were full, he told his disciples, collect the leftovers so nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign he had done, they said, This really is the prophet who was to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus knew that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. What an amazing story, eh? I just love it. I love reading these stories, seeing just the the character of Jesus. Also seeing the majestic side of him. That he's the king. He's the Lord. He's the one who has all power and authority. And as we read the story, we see what Jesus is really like. We see all four of these characteristics in this story. Jesus was genuine. Jesus knew real life. He knew the needs of people and himself. Our body needs food. And Jesus knew the crowd would need it too. He didn't pretend that they would listen to him forever. Sometimes our stomachs take over and uh, cause us so many distractions. I know that 30, 40 minutes before lunchtime, my mind is already drifting towards the food. It's quite an ineffective time of my day. Maybe you're there already today. You're kind of already, I've got to think about lunch. Oh yeah, my stomach's rumbling. It's just kind of thinking about it. Jesus knew the people in front of him. He was genuine. He was real. He could probably see in the crowd people's eyes just kind of glazing over. Going, okay, yeah, we need to feed, need to feed the crowd. Jesus is real with you. He's very real with you. He knows what you need. He knows the thing that you need that no one else here knows about you. He knows the thing going on at home. He knows the thing going on in your family, in your workplace. He's real. He's real with you. He knows what's going on. He knows the real you and wants the real you. Jesus is also thankful. It's been really interesting just to think about this. Think about Jesus being thankful. But the reality is we see in the story that even Jesus, despite being the one worthy of thanks, himself thanking God for the provision of bread and fish, 
Even Jesus, the one who spoke the world into being, who sustains our very being, the one who conquered over death and sits enthroned forevermore, even this same Jesus gave thanks. He was thankful even in his human nature for his Father sustaining him and providing for him. How much more do we have to be thankful for? How much more should thankfulness just ooze out of us? Jesus sets us an example to imitate. Jesus is also generous, we see in this story. I wonder when it comes to having people around your house, maybe for a meal, and uh, you just decide you're going to feed a, a crowd, what's a crowd for you in your house? Maybe it's three or four, three or four people extra, maybe that's just like that's crowding out the house. Maybe it's, I don't know, 10 or 15. Maybe, it's, maybe you've got a mansion, and it's like 50. You can just like, feed absolutely loads. Jesus looks out and he sees 5,000 men, it says in the Bible, which is probably about 15,000 people in total. 15,000 people. And he thinks, I'm going to feed them. I'm going to feed them. This isn't too hard or too many for Jesus. His heart is big and it's generous. It would have been well within reason for Jesus to send the crowd home, saying, go home, have some food at home, and then come back fresh tomorrow. No, Jesus' heart was to show his generosity, but also to show that he could not just provide for their physical needs, but their spiritual needs as well. That he was to satisfy their souls. He says elsewhere in the book of John that he is the bread of life. He wants us to know that he is not only generous in providing for our physical needs, but also our spiritual, that he is generous in paying for our sins, that he is generous in thinking the best of us, that he can use us, his creation, that he wants to work with us, that he is generous in his love towards us and his grace over us. As we receive this generosity of Jesus we can then actually be generous to others. As we realize, actually, he is being so good to me, generous beyond what I deserve, I can therefore then give out of what he's given me. As we've received, we can be generous in how we view others and in what we share with others. And then Jesus is courageous. Imagine if it was you in that situation. Imagine that 15,000 people, maybe more, maybe a few less, there in front of you, let's call it 15,000, 15,000 people in front of you, and you realize there's no food there except five loaves and two fish. And I'm, I'm guessing the loaves of bre- bread weren't like really, really big. I'm guessing they were probably like the loaves of bread we have. And a couple of fish. What would have gone through your mind? 15,000 people, just a small little bit of food, what would have gone through your mind? I know that these were some of the options that would have gone through my mind. Tell the people to leave. Don't have the food. Go home. Go, go feed yourself. Come back tomorrow. Maybe you would have been there and gone, ask the people for more food. Say, this isn't, this isn't enough. This isn't going to feed us all. We need more. We need more food. Who, who's got some food? Come on, share it. Who's hiding it? Or maybe it was, this is probably more likely to have been me. Pretend that actually oh, I was only asking for food for myself, actually. I wasn't talking about the rest of the crowd. I was just saying, who's got food? Who's got food for me? And uh, like, we can think of all these different reasons of what we could have potentially done. No, Jesus, Jesus is courageous. 
He knows what he wants to do. He wants to feed the crowd. He wants to show God's love, God's generosity. Although there was only a little bit of fish and bread, Jesus instructs his disciples to start handing the food out, knowing that there would be enough. Fear of what people might say if it didn't work out, or fear of making a mistake didn't stop him from stepping out in faith and in action. You know, we can so often stop doing things for God because of fear. And actually we can fear, well, what if I make a mistake? What if I, what if I completely mess it up? What if God doesn't come through? You know what? God loves it when we just step out in faith. He loves it when we're bold and courageous, when we believe him for things. And even when we mess up and make mistakes, he loves just the fact that we step up, that we take a risk, that we believe him for something. God loves faith. I was reading even this morning just a story in Luke of where God just recognizes the faith of a centurion. He just loves faith. Where the centurion comes and he sends word to Jesus, he says, just one word from you, Jesus, and my son will be healed. Just one word. And Jesus loves the faith of this centurion. God loves your faith. When you step out, when you take a risk, when I step out and take a risk, he loves it. That actually, the end result is important, but it's not as important as you stepping out. That's what God's about. He wants to take us on a journey with him, that we would be courageous. Friends, as we consider the culture that we want to embrace as a church, we do so knowing that we are more like Jesus when these characteristics flow out of us. But it's not just a matter of, I must try harder. I'm going to grit my teeth together. I'm going to try harder. I just have to knuckle down and work hard. And I've got to be more thankful. I've got to be more generous. No, no, we're not going to achieve this through our own efforts. We'll make mistakes along the way. And we certainly won't get it right all of the time. But that's okay because we're on this journey together. That's why we're going to keep coming back to this over the year, that we're going to do four of these mini-series because we want to keep coming back to this. We want to keep looking at this culture that we want to have as a church, that we get fresh reminders and help along the way. Jesus in John chapter 15, he spoke of being the vine and we are the branches, that we can only produce fruit, we can only produce the character of Christ when we attach ourselves to him. And sometimes he prunes us. Sometimes he cuts things back in order that we might grow and produce fruit in our lives. That we might reflect more of Christ into the lives of those around us. As a church, we want to be secure in who we are in Jesus. That our identity is lived out through relationship with him. He's only able to change us when we're attached to him. So please don't walk away from this place today thinking, I must try harder, or that you've failed up to now. The encouragement from Jesus is to draw near, draw near to him. Maybe you just need to hear that this morning. Draw near to him. Whatever mistakes you've made up to now, however easy you find it looking at these four words, sorry they're not so clear with a black there, maybe... You listen to these words and kind of, yeah, they're just, I've just failed too many times in these things. It's just not something that I can do. Now, Jesus would say, draw near, draw, to, draw near to me, that I might actually grow you, he would say. 
The encouragement is to draw near to him. It's to spend time with him. It's to enjoy him. Enjoy his presence. Read the word that you might know and understand him more. Jesus wants us to be planted in him. Like the branches into a vine. The only way a branch is going to produce fruit is through being attached to the vine. Jesus' heart for you and me is that we would remain close. That we would rely on him for our growth. As the one we feed off. He's not going to push you away. But God wants us to draw near to him. I love my wife. And so therefore I want to, I want to know her better. I want to draw near to her. And so I want to do the things that she enjoys that I might know and understand her better. And the same is true of a relationship with God. In order to understand him and know him better, I want to draw near. I want to come close. I want to understand. I want to do the things that he enjoys. I want to do the things that he loves because I get to know him better. Allow God's grace to wash over you and the Holy Spirit to prune you and produce much fruit in your life. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Harvest Church, as we pursue relationship with God, as we let his Holy Spirit shape and mold us, as we look to imitate Christ, we will be made more like Christ. As we open our hearts and suffer them to the work of the Holy Spirit, we will produce a culture of being genuine, thankful, generous and courageous. Because that's what Jesus is like and we are his branches attached to him and we will therefore become more like him. Christ died to save us, yes, but he also died to sanctify us, meaning to make us more like Christ how God intended us to be. As a church, we want to pursue this culture of being genuine, thankful, generous, and courageous. But it's not just about our personal growth and being more Christ-like. It's about reaching out to this town. It's about reaching out to the people that we work next to and we live next to. That the people of Alton would encounter harvest people and see something of just the the Christ-likeness in us. That they would see something so attractive Something just so incredible in us because we're like Christ. Because of the way that we live our lives and we love other people. This is the adventure and journey we're on as a church. We want to love each other well, but also love this town and the surrounding villages well. We want to live our lives in such a way that it causes the unbeliever to see that there is a God who is passionate about them. And there is a church in this town who loves them and is also going to care for them. We started off this morning asking if there was anything we need to let go of in order to take up and pursue this culture as individuals and as a church. I know that Andrew has been using uh, this language here of being on a journey and we need to pack some things and we need to leave some things behind. Let me encourage you to let your old way of living be left behind. Let it be left behind. Paul wrote in Philippians 3 verse 8, he says, I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Knowing Christ and following him 
Following after him will produce lasting and valuable fruit, both in our lives as individuals and as a church. But it will also have a lasting and valuable effect on the people around us who don't yet know Jesus as they see something so attractive in us. Let me end uh, this morning then with these three questions that I would encourage us to ask of ourselves. Firstly, how am I growing in these four areas? How am I growing in these four areas? How am I learning from the mistakes that I've made? What growth am I already seeing? What's starting to change? How am I growing in these four areas? Secondly, how am I actively pursuing these four areas? How am I pursuing after these four characteristics? And thirdly, how am I knowing more of God through pursuing these four characteristics? How am I knowing more of God, more of his presence through pursuing these things? Just questions I love us to take away and think about as we go from this place. Finally, maybe you're here this morning and you're hearing of this culture we're pursuing as a church and hearing of this Jesus who displayed all of these excellent qualities and more. And you'd like to know more about who is this Jesus? How do I, how do I live a life like this Jesus? I want, I want to know him more. If that's you, can I encourage you? Come and speak to myself or come and speak to Sean or one of the wider leadership team here. We'd love, or speak to the person who brought you. We'd love just to introduce you to Jesus. We'd love to show you what it is to live a life with him. That actually you can have your life changed by him. He's a beautiful, incredible saviour. He loves to change us and make us more and more like him. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been coming for years, maybe decades. And you call yourself a Christian, but you don't know what it is to know Jesus personally. Actually, if you were honest with yourself, you don't know what it is to pursue after Jesus, to, to love him, to enjoy him, to know relationship with him. Can I encourage you, maybe just turn to someone you know at the end of this meeting and just say, can you pray for me? If you don't want to do that with someone next to you, come and speak to myself. I'd love to pray for you. Actually, knowing Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, is so much fun. It's so much fun. It's so enjoyable. Yes, we go through difficulties. Yes, we go through struggles and pains. But actually knowing him, he's a beautiful saviour. He really is. He's so good to know. He produces joy and he produces fruit, uh, fruit in us. He produces just this life in us that we become attractive to those around us. Because actually we're living, we're attached to him. He's the vine, and we're the branches. We're attached into him. I encourage you, please don't let this morning pass without getting prayed for. Genuine, thankful, generous, and courageous. Let that be said of us, Lord. Let it be known what, let it be known, let it be what we're known for in this town. Wouldn't that be our desire? That we're known in this town. For those four characteristics. Can I ask you just where you are just to stand if you're able to? I'm just going to pray for us. And uh, I just love God to just pour himself out on us as we leave from this place. Father God, we love you. Father, we love you. We're so grateful that you would reveal yourself to us through your son Jesus. We're so grateful that you would save us. We're so grateful that you would... You would send your son to die on a cross for us. 
that we might have life. We're so grateful that you would care about us. Lord, that you would know and care about me. That's astounding, Lord. That you would care about my needs. That you're real with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you know each and every one of us, Lord. You know what's going on in our lives. You know our struggles. You know uh, whether we've got things going on at home, whether we've got things going on at work, struggles in school or college. Lord, you know everything going on about us. And you're real with us. You love us. You're for us. Thank you. We sung about that earlier. That you're for us. That you're with us. Lord, we pray as we go from this place, Lord, let us know your presence with us. Let us know real lasting change, Lord God. Let us draw near to you. Lord, I pray that I would draw near, nearer and nearer to you, Lord. I pray that for my friends here in this room, Lord God, that each of us, we would draw nearer to you this week, Lord God. That we would know you close. That we would know your presence. That we'd be changed. That we'd be made more and more into the image of Jesus. Oh God. We need your spirit, Lord. We need your Holy Spirit to come and strengthen us, to empower us, to to change us, Lord God. We want to be attractive to this town, Lord God. We want to see people saved in this town, Lord God, as a result of living our lives for you, Lord God. Make us an attractive church to this town, Lord God, that people would see us, see us in our workplace, in our homes, Lord, and think, yeah, I want to know something of God because there's something of God in them. I pray, Lord, bless us as we go from this place in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. We're going to finish there. We're going to come back to this, uh, these four words again in a couple of months. But let me encourage you, just in families, uh, maybe as a group of friends, uh, maybe just with the person who came with you, t- talk about these four things. How am I growing in these? How am I knowing God changed me into being more and more like him? Have a fantastic rest of the day. Have a great week. Uh, as teachers go back to school and kids go back to school, and we'll see you soon.